This is Archive Atlanta, episode 164, Westside Park. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week's mini episode, it's a little bit longer than a mini, um, but it is about Atlanta's Westside Park, the largest green space in the city, which opened this past August of 2021. It is 280 acres with a 350-foot reservoir that holds up to 2.4 billion gallons of emergency water reserves, and its history is really complex. There's very little out there in terms of accessible research, but as Atlanta celebrates this new park and you might go there, I think it's incredibly valuable to understand the history of the land and then what led to it becoming what it is today. Before we keep going, let's orient ourselves. So the area we're talking about today is located just north of the Grove Park neighborhood using Proctor Creek as the loose kind of southern and western boundaries. The top border of the park is at Johnson Road, which is where the main entrance is. And then the eastern boundary is along the railroad tracks that follow Marietta Boulevard. For this episode, I'm going to split the land up into two broad sections, uh, one half, which is above the quarry, and then the other half, it'll be like the quarry and, and what's around it. And I'm doing this for reasons that will hopefully make sense by the end of the episode, but because these two sections have different histories to tell. One is the story of a working class black community from the turn of the 20th century that was displaced by urban renewal, and the other, the story of one of Atlanta's numerous stone quarries and the prison labor that was sent to mine it. So let's start with the bottom half. The Bellwood Quarry was one of dozens of rock quarries in Atlanta. And this is what makes the history so difficult because early Atlanta was full of small, privately owned, nameless quarries that were called different things on different days and different months. There was Lynch's Quarry, which I think was down where the Georgia World Congress Center is today. Uh, There were quarries up in Buckhead. There was one under the entrance ramp near Georgia Tech. It goes on and on and on. The Bellwood Quarry is located in the 17th District, and it's land lots 144 and 145. Once the Muskogee were removed from the land, it was given out in land lotteries. And I think that Cook, someone named Cook, may have been the first white landowner. If you look at an 1893 map, um, this large area is called Cook's District. By that same map year, these land lots were owned by E.R. Elliott and N.L. Angier. The Elliott family actually owned so much of the west side, especially along Bankhead Highway. And you'll remember I talked about them in the Elliott, Ida Elliott uh, mini episode. The name Bellwood comes from the name of the neighborhood that stretched uh, all along, again, the old Bankhead Highway through Vine City and then all the way to the current Northside Drive. So what about its connection with the Bellwood Prison? And this is where things get even more confusing and more complicated. Um, I'm definitely doing an episode about the Fulton County convict camps and the chain gang system. Um, it's, it's, there's so much to share there, but the main fact I want everyone to know is that every single road that you drive or bike on today was paved by convict labor. Fulton County's camp system was pretty large. There were five camps in 1912, and that fluctuated up and down throughout the years. The tract of land where the current Fulton County prison is located was owned by Fulton County since at least the 1880s. And this is not, and never has been, inside the park. The Bellwood Camp was considered the headquarter convict camp, and so the first prison buildings there were built around 1885. 
So being incarcerated at Bellwood did not automatically mean that you were sentenced to the quarry squad and or specifically the Bellwood quarry. Crews were sent to do roads, um, again, all over Atlanta. They generally try to keep them geographically together. So if you were in Bellwood prison, you were paving the roads that are all along West Midtown right now. And then you, you were sent to other quarries as well. All that being said, I did find two specific references to this quarry that is inside Westside Park. One was from 1913 when Charlie Stevens died of sunstroke when the temperature reached 96 degrees. Charlie was a 28-year-old black man who was arrested on a charge of gaming. I think that's probably an old term for gambling. He was sentenced to a $45 fine or eight months on the chain gang. He couldn't afford the fine, of course, and so he began his sentence at Bellwood on June 6th. He was said to have been working in the Bellwood Quarry when he died less than two months later. In July of 1932, reporter I.P. Reynolds from the Daily World went to see the Bellwood Quarry conditions with his own eyes. He saw men working in hot blazing sun. Guards were able to stand under a shed that would shield themselves from it. Um, But there was also women in other sections also toiling in the sun. And that the entire operation, quote unquote, should be looked into because it was that bad. By the 1950s, the quarry was privately owned, so it became like a private mining operation. Um, But in 1960, there was a man named Bernice Lee Dreyer who was killed when he backed up his two-ton gravel truck into the quarry and then fell over a 20-foot cliff. So now let's move on to the upper portion of the park. Um, Just before the turn of the 20th century, this was the Rockdale Park community. An exclusively black working class neighborhood formed to serve the Inman Yards Railroad, along with numerous other industries in the area. There was like fertilizer places and stuff like that around 1900. In 1907, local women founded the Mount Calvary Baptist Church, um, established as a brush arbor in the backyard of the home of Felix Wilson. Reverend Morris Young served as the first pastor And after four years, they erected a wooden structure on Avenue A. And then in 1926, they did a brick building. So this then made it the largest church in the Rockdale Park community. The neighborhood was formally platted in 1907 by developers Forrest and George Adair. Um, And this is where we can see a lot of the street names. So there was Avenue A, B, C, D. There was Elmira Street cut in the middle. And then there was um, Roderick Street. And so the thing with plat maps is you're never quite positive if they actually were developed the way they were designed. But and I have some maps I'll put on social media, but the The later maps do show us that the community looked almost exactly as that plat map. In 1909, there was mention of a Rockdale Park colored free school that was built on a farm lot purchased from a farmer named John Walker. By 1913, the Adair brothers were selling lots um, in Rockdale Park that ranged from $500 to $1,200. Now, while this was Fulton County, it would be Fulton County, not part of Atlanta until I think 1951. Uh, The community was definitely pushing for an elementary school through the 20s and 30s. But they also had their own government, so they would elect their own mayor. Um, I think 1936, they elected the pastor from Calvary Baptist. His name was uh, Ian Young. Um, They had a grocery store, which was on Avenue A. They had amusement stuff. So a lot of the community stuff was centered around the church. So they would like play movies in the church or they would have like fairs, mostly in the church. 
And a lot of this social news I found in the daily world. So that's, you know, probably a whole separate other podcast about uh, black and white media. But the white newspapers just weren't covering Rockdale Park in any form that was, you know, not negative. Uh, but the Daily World had a lot of just, you know, social stuff like this person got married, this person bought this house here. In 1947, in the midst of our post-war housing shortage, Rockdale Park expanded. And so its boundaries stretched above Johnson Road and along Sweat Road, which today is Perry Boulevard. The following year, the Ku Klux Klan had a motorized parade of honking cars led by a police escort uh, where they went through the neighborhood and it was led by a white convertible that had a cross and an American flag in it. This was sadly not a rare occurrence. Uh, the Klan did this exact same ride through uh, Bagley Park. Um, they did it in Linwood and then they just, you know, they did it in almost every black community in Atlanta. By 1950, Sweat Road had gained 1,200 new homes and a health center. So it's growing, it's growing. At this point, it has expanded outside of what today are the park boundaries. By 1955, the brand new Perry Homes housing project opened with 1,000 apartments. And the land that was just north of the quarry, so that older Rockdale Park, was starting to be in disrepair. Um, most of it was being used as a trash dump. Um, there was people setting up moonsi moonshine stills. Uh, there was actually a huge bust in 1958 when police found a still uh, that was producing about 100 to 200 gallons of sour mash every day. In 1958, the words urban renewal came to Rockdale Park. There was just over a million dollars approved for the Rockdale Park urban renewal plan that would clear 224 acres uh, and rehab about 11 acres. So this meant that 496 dwellings, which were described in the report as substandard, would be demolished and 487 black families displaced. So residents flocked to Mount Calvary Baptist, again, center of the community, to discuss this. And it's really kind of sad to read some of their comments because they knew they couldn't fight it. And they were just expressing, you know, sadness about not wanting to start over. You know, where were they going to be? Where were they going to go? Were they going to be able to buy back in this community once it was renewed? Their voices, you know, fell to deaf ears. But the whole plan was approved in 1960. And then the chaos ensues without getting into the weeds over this specific part of the story. There was a lot of issues. The first issue was that the developer was chosen was a white firm out of New York. So there was lots of cries of discrimination from local black leaders about why they didn't choose a black contractor. In 1967, that developer, their offices in New York City um, caught on fire and burned. And so the plans for Rockdale were destroyed. The firm also took a financial hit. Um, everything had to be redesigned. Construction did start. I think they built like 300 apartments, um, but it was mired with financial issues, quality issues, delays. And so by 1970, all construction is halted and the developer was fired. The story told in the papers is that like, oh, no one had any idea that this urban renewal project was located on a giant 150 acre block of granite. And so like if you've ever been to Panola Mountain, there's, you know, three or four inches of dirt. It looks like right trees and everything grow on it. But underneath is a giant slab of rock. And so when they went to develop, they realized they couldn't. 
And they talked about that, you know, this would have been a great place for a smoke rise style development, which is over in Stone Mountain or, you know, something very California with a modern ranch, you know, incorporated into the rock. But the reality was that you couldn't sell houses in an area that was near a prison, near an old quarry, near a housing project, near the railroad, you know, near an industrial corridor. And so the land just sat vacant. And vacant land is never good for a city or a community. The amount of horror stories from the newspapers that I read about dead bodies found in this area will shock you. And they go from the mid-60s through the mid-1980s. In 2006, the city of Atlanta purchased the Bellwood Quarry property from Vulcan Materials and Fulton County for about $40 million. And this was an important move because if you know anything about Atlanta's water issues, having over $2 billion gallons of reserve water is really important. And I was really lucky to get a little um, behind the scenes tour of the pumping building. So I was able to like walk up to the edge of the quarry, learn about all the animals, the ecosystem, you know, the minerals and the chemicals and the water and how they monitor that. I also learned how they get the water from the Chattahoochee uh, to this place. It's just, it was all really fascinating. And it's a beautiful park. I enjoy going there. You know, I enjoy visiting. I want everyone else to visit. But I also think it's really important to, again, honor that history and understand this when you visit. The story of Rockdale Park is so eerily similar to Bagley Park, which today is Frankie Allen Park. And honestly, that is a story for more, most park space in Atlanta. Um, I was telling a friend the other day that if you're enjoying park space in Atlanta, chances are it exists because of displacement and or urban renewal. And as you stand on the overlook, you know, enjoying the quarry view, you can also pause to remember the people that were incarcerated and forced to labor here in a system that was barely removed from slavery. So there you have it, the story of Atlanta's Westside Park, but also the story of Rockdale Park and the Bellwood Quarry. So thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review. You can visit the Patreon link in the show notes to support the podcast. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.